This morning, um, we have uh, three scriptures that I want to to look at. The first is uh, Judges 11, or in Judges 11. I'm going to start in verse 4 just for a tiny touch of context, and then uh, I'm going to jump down to verses 30 to 40. It's found on page 189 of your pew Bible. Listen here to God's word. It came about after a while that the sons of Ammon fought against Israel. And then skipping down to verse 30. This is kind of in the battle or get right before they start to actually fight. Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed give the sons of Ammon into my hand... Then it shall be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the sons of Ammon, it shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. So Jephthah crossed over, the sons, uh, crossed over to the sons of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord gave them into his hand. He struck them with a very great slaughter from Aror to the entrance of Minith. Twenty cities, and as far as Abel Kiramim, so the sons of Ammon were subdued before the sons of Israel. When Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah, behold, his daughter was coming out to meet him with tambourines and with dancing. Now she was his one and only child. Besides her, he had no son or daughter. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low, and you are among those who trouble me. For I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. So she said to him, My father, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you have said, since the Lord has avenged you on your enemies, the sons of Ammon. She said to her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months, that I may go to the mountains and weep because of my virginity, I and my companions. Then he said, Go. So he sent her away for two months, and she left with her companions and wept on the mountains because of her virginity. At the end of the two months, she returned to her father, who did to her according to the vow which he had made, and she had no relations with a man. Thus it became a custom in Israel. And the daughters of Israel went yearly to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite four days in the year. Amen. Our second passage is from Psalm chapter 14, which is found uh, on page 397 of your pew Bible. It's the inscription says it's a psalm of David, um, so a scripture that would have come much after the, the Jeff that, that we just heard, but certainly uh, speaks to some of um, the foolishness. Listen here to God's word. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside together. Uh, Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all the workers of wickedness not know? Who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? 
There they are in great dread, for God is with the righteous generation. You would put to shame the counsel of the afflicted, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores his captive people, Jacob will rejoice. Israel will be glad. Amen. And then our text of primary focus, again coming from the book of Hebrews, and again coming from Hebrews 11. Last week, Pastor John uh, began the chapter. Uh, This week, we are going to finish reading through the chapter. And pay attention to see if you can hear familiar names, even from the other readings of the, the this morning, and, and see how they are described in the letter to the Hebrews. So this is Hebrews eleven seventeen through 40. Listen here to God's Word. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus to the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. By faith, Moses when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward." By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they, that is Israel, passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land, and the the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned." By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish among those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. What more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts 
and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Amen. Take a moment and meditate silently on the scriptures read as we prepare our hearts for the word. Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. We pray as we think about these men um, that Hebrews 11 describes as, as men of, of whom the world was not worthy. As we think about uh, the characteristics that are common throughout, Lord, may we see your grace and your mercy. May we see your provision through time and space to provide for your people and, to continue, and, and that hand that continues to provide for us now. In all things, Lord, may we see your Son with greater clarity that we might follow him with greater fidelity. And Lord, may we worship as you have called us. Amen. As we divided up the, the book of Hebrews for the summer, and we looked at uh, you know, the, the, the sections um, and, and how they were going to be preached week in and week out, um, the lot, as it were, fell to me to, to preach Hebrews 11, 17 through 40. And as I thought about this, I thought about men of whom the world is not worthy. You're kidding, right? I mean, I know that Hebrews 11 is sometimes called the Hall of Faith, it, right? It's that play on words that, that here's a group of people uh, that, that do things by faith. I mean, we see this um, you know, by faith... Jacob, by faith, Joseph, by faith, Moses, by faith, Rahab. I mean, it's, it, they're, they're working by faith, and that's wonderful. And I praise the Lord for that. But I look at this list and I say, really? And as a case in point, I wanted to, to look at Jephthah. Right? So he lived during the Judges. The, the, you know, his, 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 the narrative of Jephthah is in the book of Judges. So he lived before David. He lived before uh, Saul. He lived when there was no king in Israel. But, critically, it was after Moses and it was after Joshua. So there was no clear leader in Israel. And so there's this cycle of events. Israel sins. They get sent into slavery. They get upset that they're in slavery. They cry out for a judge. The judge delivers the people. And at the beginning of the book, we see that the judge establishes peace. If you've read through the book, you know that as the, the book goes on, it gets more and more chaotic. And, and you know that over time, there's no peace. Well, this story of Jephthah is uh, to, in the second half of the book of Judges. It is part of that section that is rather chaotic. And it is part of just the head-scratching section of Judges that we, we read and we say, really, did that just happen? So what happened? Israel had sinned. The Lord had raised up the, the neighboring kingdom of Ammon, right, to, to rule over them. And so they're fighting with one another. And into this uh, discussion is this man named Jephthah. And he's an illegitimate child. Um, and... 
uh, he is not included with the people of Israel. Like he, they make him live like over there. And as Ammon is fighting against Israel, they go over and they say, okay, we'll be your friend if you can defeat the Ammonites. And he says, all right, you make me your leader and I'll defeat the Ammonites. And as we read, he makes a vow. And he says, Lord, if you deliver the Ammonites into my hand, the first thing that comes out of the door when I get home, I'll offer to you as a sacrifice. And we read the story, and the first thing that comes out of the door when he gets home is his daughter. And he's clearly pretty torn up about it, and he says, oh, daughter, you've brought me low. You know, I should be happy because I've just won the battle and saved Israel, but because you're the thing that comes out the door, I've been brought low. And then there's this, the back and forth, and, and then he fulfills his vow to the Lord. That means he sacrificed his daughter, which is a particularly icky thing to think about. And we might be tempted to look at Jephthah and say, well, he didn't know what would come out of the door, right? I mean, maybe he didn't intend to sacrifice his daughter. He certainly seemed to be pretty cut up about it once she came out. But we have to ask ourselves, what would likely be coming out of the door, right? It wouldn't be a possession, you know, chocolate doesn't move of its own accord. It's, he's not going to vow to give up chocolate if chocolate walks out of the door, because it can't. Right? Most likely, I, I, this is some amount of speculation, but I can't imagine they have too many barn animals living in their homes. So it's not like a cow's going to come out of his door. It's not like a chicken's going to come out of his door. And from the text, we see that his daughter is his only child, so he doesn't have a son or another daughter. So it means that really, the only thing coming out of his, the door is either his wife or his daughter, or potentially maybe a, a parent or servant. But any which way you slice it, he made a vow to the Lord to sacrifice a living person, which is reprehensible. We might say, well, you know, maybe he just maybe he misunderstood what it would mean to give something, something to the Lord, or, or there was some mix-up. And, and to that we would say, no, I mean, it is perfectly possible to give somebody or something to the Lord and not kill it, or kill that person. I mean, we remember Hannah, right, who gave her son Samuel to the Lord, not by sacrifice, but by service. And Samuel was a, a, a faithful and fruitful prophet in Israel's history. Bef uh, right after, actually, the judges occur. So Jephthah seems pretty despicable. But he's in the hall of faith. Didn't, didn't you catch it? It says, What more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, and the prophets. He's there. But while we're at it, if we look in the same verse, Gideon's listed... If we read the Old Testament account of Gideon, he did nothing without being fearful, right? He was afraid of everyone but the Lord. If we look at Barak, 
He doubted the Lord, and the Lord said, fine, I'm going to use you a little bit, but because you doubted me, all of the credit that you think you should get is going to go to somebody else, right? It's going to go to a lady. Samson, one of my seminary professors, (laughs) colorfully described Samson as the Old Testament's frat boy, right? Um, Continuing in um, carousing and, and other illicit activities. David is the adulterer and the murderer. The list gets worse and worse. And yet, the author of Hebrews has them in the hall of faith and says that these are men of whom the world is not worthy. Why? Well, what makes them worthy? What makes them worthy to be considered in that category? It's not what they have done. It's what the Lord has done through them. In the same way, our righteous standing with God is not on the basis of what we've done. Glenn Tyson is not considered good based upon what he did this past week. He's considered good because what the Lord has done through him in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Right? So what does this mean? It means that that Hebrews 11 has this this list of of men and a few women who, who lived by faith. And just to be clear, they didn't live perfectly by faith. I mean, Abraham kept selling, or well, kept marrying off his wife. And you just kind of scratch your head at that. And he, you know, he did it more than once across a several decade time frame. Uh, you know, it just it boggles the mind. These are, these are men that, and, and, that lived by faith, but not perfect faith. Well, what's going on? See, their situation actually isn't that different from our own. We are called to live and follow the Lord. We're called to believe in, in, in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't do so perfectly. And certainly, if you look at our actions, we don't follow the Lord perfectly. I've never murdered anybody, but I have been angry on more times than I can count. And in that, Jesus says, you're guilty of murder. You know, if we were to take a poll of the room, there are sins enough here to, to condemn us all. We, like the folks in Hebrews 11, have not lived righteous lives. And even, our, you know, even when we say, well, I, I, you know, I have faith in the Lord, and that's what makes me righteous, if we're honest, we recognize that our faith is not perfect. Praise be to the Lord that it does not have to be. Praise be to the Lord that our righteousness is not our own doing. Instead, just like these Old Testament characters before us, they had received the Word of God. They believed it. Not fully, but they still believed the Word of God. And as a result, they were found righteous. Even more... The Lord worked out His purposes through their lives. So that even Jephthah, 
who makes a terrible, awful vow to the Lord is used by the Lord to defeat the enemy of God's people. We need to remember this, not because it condones our sin, not so that when we say, ah, oh, well, I'm, you know, I can keep on sinning. We need to remember this because when we wonder if our faith is, I don't know, is it good enough? We need to remember that the Lord continues to work through sinful people who are fallen and broken. He redeems them. And they are eternally righteous. So what does that mean? It means in the same breath, I can say that I am both a sinner and with full confidence say that I am a saint. Why? Because I believe in the Lord Jesus as my Savior, and I am looking for His return. May we each do so daily. Amen.